Let me invite you to stand and turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. And I want to welcome you, especially if you're visiting with us today. And I want to assure you with this. I follow and believe in all nine of the Ten Commandments. Well, something's wrong with that, isn't isn't? I hope. I hope we can say something's wrong with that. What do you mean nine out of ten? They're all pretty necessary, except the fourth commandment. We kind of don't know what to do with that. And it might be unfamiliar to us, the fourth commandment, of course, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does that mean? That's what we're going to look at here from Isaiah 56. And really, I hope to introduce you, if you're new to this topic, the blessing of one day in seven being a day of rest and worship. So Isaiah 56, I'll read verses one through eight. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you that you order our days and give us receptive open hearts to understand what you have said in your word and to apply it in our lives, we pray. Give us the humility to hear what we need to hear, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This could be a really short sermon, Chick-fil-A. If you want to defend the Sabbath, Chick-fil-A, because they have the best tasting Christian chicken around. <laughs> sermon over. So Chick-fil-A grew from 2010 to 2018, five times faster than other comparable restaurant chains. Chick-fil-A, which is closed on Sunday, I'm sorry you can't get that tasty chicken today. You'll have to wait. They are closed. 
And I'll give you 6.4 billion reasons why the Sabbath is important. That was Chick-fil-A's revenue last year. And we might ask the question, well, what's the benefit of the Sabbath? If we usually obey nine out of ten commandments, what is this one commandment which really comes at a strategic location between the first through third commandments having to do with God and the fifth through tenth having to do with people? What is this commandment is what we're going to look at today. Because you see here in Isaiah 56, there's a problem. And this specific sin of not keeping the Sabbath is brought out. And what I want to offer you is this. The nation of Israel, of course, guilty in a lot of different areas that we've seen in our series in Isaiah. We've seen idolatry as a major one. Another one, trusting earthly powers to do only that which God can do. Those are two sins that are called out, but this keeping the Sabbath is called out here in Isaiah 56. Why is that? Well, I think one reason why is it shows the disrespect that God's ancient people had for him in terms of they had been specifically commanded to do something, and they ignored it. Not only that, but there is tremendous and wonderful blessing in keeping the Sabbath, even on this side of the cross, the other side of the cross, than from God's people then who originally heard this. So we're going to look together and explain some of these things. I'll give you some of the background, and we'll see how to apply it in our life. And the first thing I want to tell you is there is blessing in keeping the Sabbath. There is a blessing of the Sabbath. And you see this in verses 1 and 2. So we begin the passage as many of our Isaiah passages begin, thus says the Lord. So we can say, this is authoritative for us. And they're commanded here, keep justice and do righteousness. And I want you to see there's a link there between keeping justice and doing righteousness and keeping the Sabbath. They all go together. For soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. So God is looking forward to a time when his salvation will be realized and righteousness will be revealed. So that's a future time. Seen in part in Isaiah's day and ancient biblical history, seen fully when Christ comes back. And so there's continuing application to these, all ten of those commandments. And then look in verse 2, blessed is the man who does this. So we can say, okay, keeping justice, doing righteousness, that's the this. And the son of man who holds it fast, what does this look like? keeping the Sabbath. Do you see that in verse 2? In verse 2, this, holding it fast and keeping the Sabbath are all linked together. And this is a beautiful translation, I think, because if you look in verse 2, at the end of verse 4, at the end of verse 6, we get three times hold fast. And I love that up against our 
current culture and day where the church that should be holding fast, as they say in Texas, is folding like a wet napkin. Holding fast, in part, means living a countercultural life according to our schedule, according to our calendar. God's people had a different rhythm, a different pattern that they followed, and they are to live out this pattern, and it will be a blessing to them. So the blessing, look at the end of verse 2, keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Now, I recognize you might have not ever thought of the fourth commandment. You might be more of a nine out of ten commandment type person, and you might say, well, Christ fulfilled uh, the ten commandments, so we don't need them anymore. I would say, well, I don't think that's a good idea. We need those Ten Commandments uh, for sure. While Christ did fulfill the ceremonial law, what we call the ceremonial law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, as many municipalities are finding out, still should be something that people follow. So the Fourth Commandment has a background to it. And we would point to the creation Way back in Genesis 1 and 2, what happened? God created the world in six days. Then what did he do? He rested. He rested. Now, we would say, did God need to rest? Was he tired? Oh, I'm tired from making the universe. I need to rest. No. With no need of rest, God set a pattern of one day in seven being a day to appreciate our labors, to appreciate our work, to be thankful for it, and to rest from it. So when we think of the Sabbath, it's not just something that started with the Ten Commandments. It actually is a, what we would call a creation ordinance, a pattern God set into the created order for His people to follow. Six days of work, one day of rest. And then what we find out is that this pattern is reiterated in the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why would, in, in the Ten Commandments, of course, were given to the ancient Israelites. Why was it important that they were commanded to have a day off? What were they doing prior to receiving the Ten Commandments? They didn't have a day off for over 400 years. They were slaves. And we think we have it bad, right, at our places of work. 400 years without a day off. So what did God do? He made a memorial, a marker in their very history, in the way that they patterned their time and their calendar, a day of rest that pointed back to their liberation and their freedom, which he enacted when he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And so when they disregarded the Sabbath, they forgot about the liberty and freedom they enjoyed coming from God and His deliverance of them. And so that's a little bit about this background. Do you see now why this was such a serious issue? When they didn't keep the Sabbath, they forgot, willfully forgot 
that God had delivered them from Egypt, that the salvation that they enjoyed, the freedom they enjoyed, came from God. And they refused to acknowledge that all their time is a gift from Him. And they rejected the pattern that God set back in creation. Now think for a moment about working six days and resting one. This is the pattern that God has set. Now, who here has ever been involved in school in a group project? A group project. Have you ever done a group project? Now, probably, if I were to go around and ask, well, what was your experience? How was that group project uh, for you? I remember uh, one of the uh, we had a group project when I was working on my master's degree in seminary. We had a group project, and I immediately befriended the smartest student in class. I'm in your group. We want to be around the people who are working hard in the group project. I have two college graduates, and, and both of them were, oh, group, another group project. Why'd they have that attitude? Because they were the ones doing the work in the group project. And there were some who would slack off in the group project. And my encouragement to you is when you think about your effort at work, and for young people, students, your work is school. When you think about your effort the Sabbath helps us structure it in an appropriate way. That there should be times when we're on and we're present and we're working hard and times when we're resting. And nobody likes partners in a group project that don't do their work. And sometimes we have the equivalent of that in the workplace. We have people that don't work hard. Uh, the Wall Street Journal saw a few articles about quiet quitting. Uh, the, evidently, this is the thing, quiet quitting. And it's where you do the minimum at work. Well, don't put those people on my group. I don't want, and you don't want, people who do the minimum. We want people that work appropriately. And, of course, doing the minimum, we might think of that's a sin, the sin of sloth. And we can think as well that sometimes, especially in Burning, Texas, our standards are too high and we're pushing too hard. And maybe we're fearing that we would have unsuccess if we didn't work 24-7. Sometimes, and of course we know our culture around here, we work too hard and we push too hard. And so there's an appropriateness that the Sabbath calls us to, and this command calls us to, that we work hard, that we trust God with the results, that sometimes we do push ourselves, especially when we think about serving others and acts of mercy for others. This is part of how we love our neighbor, and this is part of how we encourage each other when we're working hard, but as well, don't ignore the command to rest. You and I probably need to rest more than we need to work more. 
and invariably there'll be a few of you who are working on that rest in our next few moments together. But for most people, they need to work, they need to rest more than they need to work more. And so the Sabbath is a wonderful invitation to experience physical and spiritual rest as God calls us to remember that He has delivered us from bondage. We are His human beings, not human doings. And this is part of the blessing of the Sabbath. Well, with the Sabbath, there's also a legacy. So not only is there a blessing, there is a spiritual legacy here. And we see this in verses 3 through 5. And remember here, the foreigners would have been outsiders to the nation of Israel. And so look at verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And so what we find out here is the foreigner, the outsider, who's following what God has commanded, who is allowing his week to be structured according to God's command, what about him? He's going to be remembered. Look at verse 3. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree, for thus says the Lord. Look at verse 4. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, what does God do? Verse 5. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. That's good, isn't it? So the unlikely, the outsider, and the one who can't have children gets a legacy. And not just an earthly legacy of sons and daughters, but an everlasting name. At the end of verse 5, that shall not be cut off. Why is this? It's living God's way, following His commands. To keep the Sabbath is indicative. You can kind of think of it as the tip of the iceberg for the rest of the way God has called us to live, God-glorifying lives. There's this calling then we have to structure our life, our calendar, His way. And it's very unlikely. But the foreigner, the one who doesn't belong, and the eunuch, the one who cannot have Children, they get a legacy following and obeying God. This is something of the gospel here in Isaiah because there's this reversal. There's this expectation that the foreigner stays foreign and the eunuch has no heritage. But God introduces a legacy for those who go against the culture and follow him, for those who rest and trust in him. You know, school started recently. Well, I guess we're about a month in, although it feels like five months to some. Uh, But, you know, when school started and you get all your school supplies and all that, and you go shopping with with, uh, your mom or dad, and I remember my mom would take a Sharpie, would take a Sharpie, like a black Sharpie, and she would write my name in everything, you know? I would be like, Mom, I'm not taking off my shoes. She's like, we worked hard for these shoes. You know how long it took us to find shoes that worked? 
that are according to the specifications of, you know, the school supply list. You know, you see this box of Kleenex. It's not an ordinary box of Kleenex. It is two-ply, lotion, 80 sheets. I'm putting your name on it. And so she would write my name on everything, just about, so that we understood that was mine. And when you think about maybe the most personal part of your life, your calendar, of course, when you think about your calendar, God has written His name on it. You know, we think about how valuable time is. I mean, people say time is money. Well, God writes His name on your calendar. That belongs to Him. And we think for a moment, oh, I need to uh, say, say no more often. I need to uh, defend my calendar so that I have more time to do what I want and spend time with the people I want to. And God, what does He do? He writes His name on your calendar. And what we sometimes perceive as an interruption or an inconvenience, God's at work in the midst of that. And if you understand that your time and my time is not our own, that it belongs to Him, if we hallow, in other words, make holy one day in seven and say, Lord, this day belongs to You, of course I'm going to be in worship. Of course I'm going to rest from the ordinary things I can do other days of the week, I will set aside a day for you. It helps us to understand that our whole calendar belongs to Him. You see, it's at the cross that we understand the full measure that we can rest, not just physically, but spiritually. You see, it is Christ's perfect work that enables us to rest from our work. God made us, for some strange reason, about once every 24 hours, we better lay down and we better sleep. And we together as God's people, when we're sleeping, we are trusting that God is still at work. And Christ went to the cross accomplishing perfectly, paying the penalty that we owe to God for sin and his righteousness is given to us and we rest in his righteousness instead of ours. And so we can cease from our labors because Christ still intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. And so it's at the cross we see the fullest expression of Sabbath rest of that invitation that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And what will he do? Give them, give us rest. And so my encouragement to you is rest in the work that Christ has done. Trust. You don't have to organize your calendar perfectly. God will do that. God will do that. You can rest. You can work hard and you can trust the results to God. God, in point of fact, redeems our calendar 
It belongs to him. We know that at creation. We see it reiterated in the Ten Commandments as God marks out the liberation he gives to his people. We see it at the cross, that he frees us from being human doings through the salvific work of Jesus Christ. So, so far, what I've shown you here, I've shown you the blessing of the Sabbath. There is blessing in resting. There is blessing in worship. There is legacy, spiritual legacy that we leave through God's blessing. And then the last thing here, it's in verses 6 through 8, there is belonging in the Sabbath. Belonging. Look at this in verse 6. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. Notice this. Notice the link between joining themselves, ministering to him, loving the name of the Lord, being his servant, all those things, and everyone who keeps the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath, obeying the fourth commandment, leaving Sunday as a day of worship and rest. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. These are all linked together. What will God do? Look in verse 7. These, these I'll bring to my holy mountain. Now that might not be significant to us unless we remember Several, a few sermons ago, back in Isaiah 11, back in Isaiah 11, 9, you get the first instance of this language, my holy mountain, and it's in the context where the wolf lays down with the lamb. This is emblematic of God's kingdom, my holy mountain, who belongs in my holy mountain, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it. And holds fast my covenant. To disregard the Sabbath is to disrespect what God has commanded us. What he has told us. It is to turn our back on the liberation he has given us at the cross. And the liberation and freedom he introduced to his people when he delivered them from slavery. We're free from the slavery of sin through Christ. And so he invites us to rest and to worship These I will bring to my holy mountain. We will, by God's grace, belong at his holy mountain, his kingdom. And then look at this in verse 7. And make them joyful in the house of prayer. Make them joyful in my house of prayer. You know, I always get a kick out of when people say, because people are so autonomous and independent. My God doesn't make anyone do anything. Well, I'm preferring the God who does make people joyful. I bet you do too. Make them joyful. Uh, If you're lacking joy in your life, you probably don't rest enough. You probably don't worship enough. And God has promised that when we follow according to his plan and his commands, when we live life, in other words, his way, by his grace, he can make us joyful. And then look at this, the rest of verse 7. 
their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Of course, this makes no sense. Why? Because the sacrifice of a foreigner wouldn't be accepted. But God has reversed things by his power such that the outsiders are now insiders and they belong. And this is in contrast to the sacrifices of chapter 1, verse 13, where God says that Israel is trampling his courts because of their false worship. Their heart isn't in uh, the worship that they offer. And so this is a reversal of that, a healing of that, because they're following what God has commanded. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This kingdom is growing and it has a missional aspect to it of incorporating others who get a sense of the wonder of living life God's way. This discussion of the Sabbath continues into chapter 58. And let me invite you to turn there, Isaiah 58, 13 through 14, because really this is where it all ends up, is that the Sabbath day, one day in seven to worship and rest, is something we should delight in. There's wonderful blessing, legacy, and belonging in living life God's way, ordering our calendar according to his pattern and rhythm that he set way back in creation. And we see here in Isaiah 58, 13, if you, turn your, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Do you see the contrast there? It's a contrast between doing what God wants and doing what we want. So if you, this is Isaiah 58, 13, if you, turn your, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Riding on the heights of the earth. There's that God who makes people do things that some people don't like. I want to ride on the heights of the earth. That sounds good to me. It sounds good to take delight in the Lord. Doesn't that sound wonderful and encouraging and enjoyable? You shall, uh, verse 14. Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You don't get any more authoritative than the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so I hope, now you notice here, I didn't enter into kind of the controversy and confusion that often people have. What is permissible on the Sabbath? What is not permissible? Of course, we want to pick up the phone when we have to call 911 and we want someone there. We want works of necessity done. But I hope what I've shown you here is I've, I've attempted to kind of nudge you in the direction of being a Ten Commandment Christian. That isn't asking too much. If indeed, as repeated three times here in Isaiah 56, we would be a people who hold fast to God's covenant 
part of his covenant is expressed. This wonderful gift that he gives us of spiritual and physical rest as we worship and give him our time. Let's pray together. Lord, how thankful we are indeed that you have given us one day in seven to commemorate that we are free from the slavery of sin through Jesus Christ. And we pray you would help us and give us wisdom and discernment to know how to order our calendar, how to order our day, that we indeed might be blessed in our worship, blessed in our spiritual and physical rest in Christ. And we pray for the legacy of the Sabbath. We thank you that you have given us a name that cannot be cut off. And we thank you for the wonderful aspects of belonging in a kingdom where there is rest and renewal when we are tired. And we pray indeed your blessing on us as we meet together at the table in Christ's name. Amen.